Let's talk training camp, darlings. Chips towards the end zone, and it is caught. Eight off here. Chubb. Down inside. With the silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Allen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. I'm Wyatt. You'll have to excuse my voice for the time being. It's a little worn out from the expo this weekend, but I am joined by my man, Jeff Bell, who you can find on Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls, who hopefully will be doing most of the talking for me. You can find him as the dynasty lead for football guys, and he's the co host of the Devi Royale podcast. Jeff, how are you? Fantastic, Wyatt. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, you know, you said that pre-show that this is overdue, and I feel the same way. You're somebody that you've always been so kind, friendly, and genuine every time I've talked to you, and I am thrilled to be able to be here tonight, and thank you again. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you, Jeff. We, we've been able to have even just like some personal conversations over Twitter that I feel like, you know, only certain types of friendships you can actually have those with, and I'm glad that we've been able to have those. So, like, yes, I'm excited to do this. I got to talk to you a little bit at the expo, but I'm excited to have even more talking here today. Before we talk players, though, training camp darlings, we do a would you rather for our guests. Okay. Are you ready for your would you rather? Always. Okay. Now, would you rather have the ability to know one prospect's NFL career per year or be able to know which player in each draft class will have the best career but not know what their career looks like? So I get one, the whole picture for one player, but it's random player. I don't know if it's good or bad. Yeah. Okay. Or I can just know who the best one's going to be. Yeah. But you don't know what that career looks like. I'm always just going to take the best one. I'll take my shot on what it might be, uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll choose that option. Knowing. Yes. I know that some years, you know, it, it might be not very much at all. We've had some of those draft classes. I'm still going to take the best guy every year. And, and you know, the reality mm-hmm. is you get Jamar chase, whatever it might be and you're stacking Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, you're going to win a lot in dynasty, <laughs> despite those being miss those occasional misses first. The other way, you know, it'd be nice to have the knowledge of an entire career and be able to essentially steer positive negative whatever it might be that's nice but i will always roll the dice on the best guy what if i told you you could pick any particular player to know what their career looked like that's a little bit more tempting because that's a more tempting but i still i think i would still prefer just to go with the best one knowing who the best one's going to be and and that kind of you know, I think people would probably catch on after a little bit, but at the same time, you'd every single year in our seats, you'd be telling everybody this is the best guy. And yeah, at some point they would believe you, even though it's Twitter, you never know. But at some point you would stack up enough W's that I think that that would be the best way to go. Yeah. I also think it makes it interesting because you could know who the best player is, but perhaps not get them in all of your drafts, but like say that you don't know what their career looks like. What if they have like a really bad year one? And then you just know that you can buy low on every share that you could possibly get. You know, that'd be kind of cool. I agree. Yeah, there would definitely be ways to play it. Yeah. Now let's get into the real players for today. That's first one's going to be Isaiah Pacheco, whose DLF startup ADP is currently RB 73. But let's be honest, I think it's going to start rising up a good bit from there. 
Uh, seventh round draft pick in this last last draft. You know, size, athleticism, kind of standout. Ran like four three seven at two hundred sixteen pounds. I believe is the best speed score in the class. But little, very little production at Rutgers. But there's a lot of excuses that can be made for that because Rutgers were a pretty bad team. Kind of capable receiver, and now in camp getting these first team reps. High praise. It's looking like Rojo's going to get cut now. All of a sudden, like, what are we doing with with uh, Pacheco now? Hopefully you have him already. And and I think that that was, it, he was one of my favorite fourth round pick targets when I was going through my rookie draft. And um, I had done a show for football guys and I kind of said, this is because this guy's my late yard, late round dart throw. Uh, I really like that speed score landing with the chiefs. The reality is with the running backs, you get a later pick, you get a team like the offense, like the Kansas city chiefs, you kind of know the injuries hit and this guy can accelerate, he can, can get to the top of the really the running back class. And so I really like him. And that's a player that I was kind of really in on through the entire process. Once he landed, when we knew that landing spot, the Rutgers thing, his first year, he was with Raheem Blackshear and he and he's with the Buffalo Bills right now. So it's not despite being with Rutgers, you know, he had an NFL running back on the team as well. And then his third year was the COVID year. And he was actually only 45 yards away from being third in the Big Ten in rushing. So this guy, yes, that production, it's not like he was popping off thousand yard seasons left and right. And yes, it was a four year career. And you don't particularly love that for a running back prospect. There were some extenuating circumstances beyond just records is bad. And, and, you know, that's that's one of the things. But always place chips late in rookie drafts on running backs like this. And, you know, I it's. To be honest with you, I have a lot of him on my rosters, and it's probably time that I start flipping it and get proactive about that just to kind of cash in on that hype. But again, I hope that you already have him on your roster because you're going to be paying something very, very different for him if you were to acquire him right now. Yeah, I think, you know, selling wise, um, the price that I've landed on, I think, is like the appropriate price I would sell Pacheco for is a 24 second because I don't think 23 yeah. second is really something you're going to get but 24 second you might and a, th- and a third isn't worth it at this point because there there I think there is something here I'm not sure what uh, exactly how big it's going to be but it seems like there is something legitimate to the fact that he is earning these snaps over Ronald Jones it's there are report- multiple reports that Ronald Jones has a chance to not make the team you know that's kind of a big deal I love that point too. And and you talk about not being worth a third because what we see a lot is a lot of people saying, Hey, if you were to get a third for him, you've used a fourth on him. You've already won. And, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with that line of thinking just because it's one of those things, a third round pick, you're still, that's still a later rookie pick. And to feel like you've hit on a later pick, go ahead and cash, cash that in for a future second potentially. And, and I, one of my things that I believe is you grab that 24 second and you're really one pick, a, one move away from that 24 second becoming a 24 first and, mm-hmm. and kind of do those little things to scale incrementally. But I don't love the mindset of, well, you took him in the fourth, you can cash him out for a third right now and you won because right now you feel like you hit on that fourth and, and to step up right back to bat again, the odds are not high on those picks later. So it just feels like you're going to step up and potentially try to strike out again. Yeah, that that incremental gain of a fourth round rookie draft picked into a third round future pick is something I like for 
fourth round wide receivers because I yeah. think that those have a much lesser hit rate. But with running backs, like those easily jump into getting a second range uh, as soon as they see, start seeing some action. Wide receivers, it's not quite as easy for them to get there. So I do think it's different, you know, when we're talking about someone like Pacheco, who, again, like he had that speed score, like there was some amount of hype for him going into that, into rookie drafts. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, too, he's a capable receiver, and that's one of the things that he did show at Rutgers. And we've already seen in the preseason, you know, he was out there, and I was watching. I was in a bar at the Expo with friends watching the game with the Bears, and we saw number 10 catch a pass, and somebody was like, who's number 10? Like, what right receiver's number 10? And it was like, that's Pacheco out there. So, yeah. you know, it's, he's a guy that, um, and really, it's one injury, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes down. I mean, what's the value then? because that's right. really going to have a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another running back who's a pretty good receiver is Kenny Gainwell, who's going to be the next player we talk about right now, whose DLF startup ADP was RB48. And, you know, fifth-round draft pick last year, which I thought was a little bit later than I thought he was going to go. I thought he was going to be fourth round, maybe had a chance at day two. He was the best, I thought, the best receiving back in last year's class. Played pretty good as a rookie, though. Uh, was productive on his opportunities, I should say. He's, you know, six total touchdowns on 101 touches, earned 50 targets, which was a 10.1% target share, which led the Eagles' backfield. And now we're getting the reports that he's the third down guy. He could be the long and down distance guy. He could see the red zone snaps because Miles Sanders has had trouble there. Miles Sanders is telling you not to draft him. Like, how high do we get on Kenny Gamewell right now? It's hard for me to go up much beyond where he's at. Uh, it kind of seems usually when I'm in drafts, it seems like somebody takes him right before I'm willing to. And I really, in that same range, I, I like Khalil Herbert there um, backs like that, that I think can maybe project more towards a bell cow type role. Um, Gainwell. I'm a little bit nervous about, yes, he's the receiving back, but what does that mean in a Jalen hurts offense? You know, we know the the data is out there that, Pass catching backs with rushing quarterbacks are, are pretty iffy when it comes to having that standard fantasy production going on there. So I'm I'm just a little bit concerned that it's like pre-camp and oh, he's the passing down back and one of those that let's buy in on him. And then when you get into the season, the passing down back means he catches three balls and gains 30 yards and you get six PPR points and you're kind of like, oh, darn. Like I thought I was really getting <laughs> something here. Um, it, and it's a, just one of those. I think the offense is really going to flow through AJ Brown. That's kind of what it sounds like that I've read from the the practice reports and seen um, Twitter, different other various sources that they're really just going to focus on feeding AJ Brown. We've got, we know there are enough weapons in the receiving game beyond him with Goddard with Devonta Smith. So that's one of those that I get the excitement. I'm just a little bit concerned about what is the top end really there versus mm -hmm. some of the other backs that usually kind of land in that range. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, Kenny Gainwell is a player that I like consistently find myself being inconsistent on and how yeah. I feel because I liked him as a receiver coming into the NFL, but I didn't really like him as a runner. I thought he didn't handle contact very well and really just was a straight line runner. And then I didn't really love the landing spot with the Eagles with Miles Sanders already being there, but it seems like Miles Sanders is on his way out and it doesn't really matter how I feel about him. If the Eagles feel a certain way about him and at the end of the day, I'm a little bit higher than ADP, but even then I don't find myself wanting to really acquire Kenny Gainwell. Cause like you said, what's the ceiling actually for him there? The thing with him too, 
I just feel like there are some running back moves that are kind of hanging out there. And and it just feels like we're going to see some players moved here in the next couple of weeks before the season starts, because we definitely saw that with wide receivers. We saw it to some extent with quarterbacks. And it does seem like that is the way the, the league is trending a little bit. When rumors popped up last week, whatever it was about Josh Jacobs, the Eagles were a team that were mentioned in supposedly inquiring about Josh Jacobs. And it just feels like there's, you know, David Montgomery feels weird in Chicago because that's he's on a contract year. Are they really going to extend him? Should they look at potentially getting draft capital for him? Um, well, I thought Rashad Penny was that type of player, but now it appears Ken, Ken Walker has the injury and it's a little bit, questionable how he's going to start the season josh jacobs has already been mentioned in that damian harris is a player out there that's been mentioned in those types of things i would just i feel like gainwell is in a position where people get ready to buy in he's a passing down back whatever it might be and then they trade for josh jacobs and all of a sudden everybody's way off gainwell yeah yeah he's not someone i want to necessarily hold on to for a particular long time because as we've said this ceiling we don't know but I also don't know like if this is a proper time to move. Maybe we wait until hopefully the season starts, nothing else affects the backfield, and Gainwell is splitting half time at least with Miles Sanders or something, and, we, and when there's a little bit of bump that we can try and take advantage of. I think that's what I'd be looking for if, if I still had Kenneth Gainwell on my roster. Yeah, and one of the things that I think it's, it's hard – when we you have the mindset talking in general about players, but you need to realize in your league, the person that likes Kenneth Gainwell is probably the person that already rosters him. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of those guys yeah. that you'll they land in that second round rookie range or so. And it's usually comes down to the person that's all in on him already has them on their roster. Just because I think that you see draft capital in, in your rookie drafts, once you get past really that elite tier, then you can kind of go a little bit more on personal preference roster needs. And so you can say like in broad terms, well, I would sell Kenneth Gainwell, but the likely reality is the person that values him the highest is already holding him. That's a, that's a very good point. Very good point. Let's move on to our last player of the day, which I think is actually the most interesting one for me personally, and that's Brandon Ayuk, whose DLF startup ADP was wide receiver 40 at the time of writing this show sheet. Another one which I think like actually sh- should probably be rising if it hasn't already. Um, was pretty good rookie year, especially in the back half, but it came in uh, conjunction with a couple injuries. And then we had that sophomore year where it started off really slow because he was in the doghouse. But again, that second half resurgence. Uh, as a rookie, he had a 24% two, uh, target share in the games he played and had a 15.4% PPR or 15.4 PPR points per game. I'm struggling with these all these acronyms I have in front of me. And as a sophomore, uh, from week eight on, had 28.8% target share and 13.1 PPR points per game <laughs> finally got through all those <laughs> and now in camp this year we've got trey lance destined to be the starter does Ayuk match up better with lance i think that's still a little bit yet to be seen but i i get the get the argument there and you know 49ers training camp every day is a new highlight of him making some amazing catch so of course we've got this real big hype coming what do you think about brandon Ayuk right now 
Well, I love that you put those numbers on the second half that, that you did that work because as soon as I saw Ayuk on the sheet, that's where my mind went immediately because he's a player that I really like. And he really came on last year. And he really came on when Debo Samuel transitioned to that rushing role. And I love that we've heard in camp already that once Debo Samuel got paid, he basically came out and said, hey, I'm fine playing that role. I'm fine. I understand the value that that holds to the team. I'm fine doing that things. And and that really frees up the passing game to really kind of become Kittle and Ayuk's passing game with a little bit of Debo sprinkled in. And Debo, the, at the end of last season, Debo Samuel was really he was almost a pass catching running back in his role. And, and they would use him at wide receiver, of course, and, and transition him around, but it really transitioned more to George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk's passing game. And so I love all those things. I really like, I think that there is something to be exploited in a dynasty, especially in startups. But when you're looking at those year two wide receivers, it kind of seems like people, and I know Ayuk is a year three wide receiver, but considering where his season started last year, it kind of almost feels like he's a year two wide receiver in some regards <laughs> there uh, because we've kind of seen two half seasons out of production of him. But I do think that there's good value to be had on those second year receivers because the conversation starts to shift towards the rookies and people get a little bit more excited about the rookies, particularly in startups. People are like, oh, well, Drake London, who, Garrett Wilson, whoever it might be, might be this. And I know what Brandon Ayuk is, and I know that those are way different value tiers. But I think that you do see that 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 is an area to be exploited, attacking those guys that have already shown some level of production, particularly a player like Ayuk who came in as a, as a rookie and people weren't super high on him. He wasn't a guy that everybody was very, very excited about in that rookie class. He was kind of sliding towards that back half of the first early second round range that you see some of these receivers kind of fall into that go towards the back half of the first round. So, I love him. I'm all in on him. I think he's a great piece to acquire if you are playing Dynasty. And the other thing, too, about him, I think a lot of people, what you see in fantasy is they have that early season idea in their mind, and then they start to check out a little bit towards the middle to the end of the season. And so um, Hollywood Brown was an example of this going into last year where Hollywood Brown was very, very disappointing at the early part of 2020. And everybody was very excited about him, ready to roll and get in on Hollywood Brown. And he just kind of laid an egg a little bit to start 2020. Then he came on strong towards the end of that season. And I know a lot of people, I was really in on that, that he came on strong towards the end of the year and people just didn't want to buy in on it. And I think you see it some right. with Ayuk as well. And that's part of the reason why his ADP is sitting where it is, that people have that early season snapshot in their mind. Now camp has has changed some of that, I believe, with Ayuk. And that would be surprised, like you mentioned, if that ADP has not moved a little bit, considering everything that we've seen come out of camp. But I, I think that those are exploitable areas that if you're paying attention, that if you're looking for guys that had late season reveals that are in key positions in their offense to buy in on those guys, especially young guys and especially guys in their second, third year that you feel comfortable about already showing that success, but might not be the sexiest names out there. Yeah, you're you're selling me and I'm loving it because he is a player that I, I like the actual player but just hated the situation, but I'm starting to buy into it now. 
as I'm seeing this and starting to make sense. Yes, like Trey Lance can actually push the ball downfield. IU can yeah. do that. And if someone's going to be the one to, you know, take the top off of a defense or just pushing the defense, it's going to be Ayuk, right? So it makes sense that you could see like him maybe produce like he did in that back half of the year for the whole year. There's also been reports from um, Kyle Shannon that Ayuk came into this year really buying in, you know, doing all the right things. And like, that's what you need to hear for a guy who was in the doghouse to start the, the year prior. So I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to buy in now. I, I had him at uh wide receiver 36, 35 uh, coming into today. I don't know if I'm, I might go higher than that. And on DLF, uh, right in front of him is Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Gabe Davis, Allen Robinson, Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, would you have him over all of those guys or some of them? What do you think? Can you run through that list again real quick? Yeah, we got Sky Moore, Juju, Gabe Davis, Allen Robinson, Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown. What do you think? Usually I'd put him over the vets, probably over Allen Robinson, I think. I, you know what? especially in startups, I just like to draft youth. I through the first eight rounds. I'm just hammering youth. And, you know, I want to get two strong quarterback options and I just want to hammer. I want to end up with six wide receivers that I feel really, really good about that are kind of in that first couple years production window. Um, Gabe Davis, God, that's a tough one because um, one of the things that I, I look at Gabe Davis and, and I think it's kind of funny, this game that we play with dynasty where, Everybody's like, well, I'm really in in redraft and Gabe Davis, but Dynasty, I'm not quite sure. But it's okay if you're really in in redraft for Gabe Davis, that means he's going to have a great season this year and his Dynasty stock is going to be something completely different when we're talking about yeah. it in 12 months. So I think it's funny when people play that game with young wide receivers. I feel a little bit more comfortable with him. Um, I put Ayuk right there with Devonta Smith, though, and. Um, I think that he's he belongs in that group for sure. Now, if I were on the clock making that pick, um, it probably would strike me like how I'm feeling about my exposure and other, other players because I think that that's something that I usually take into account because I play in far too many dynasty leagues. And so, <laughs> and then it's also the other thing too is you kind of play a little bit with, um, at least I do, the ADP in whatever software you're using will it allow me to get one of these guys on the next turnaround. And so right. Ayuk is his ADP sits lo lower in sleeper. So he's a guy that I, I like to play chicken a little bit with on. Um, I'll take one guy here and I hope that I can catch him coming back around. Cause I think most would probably put him kind of towards the back end of that group, but I think he belongs right there. And I could see him producing being right in the middle of that group. Now this isn't on the show sheet, but I want to highlight something you were talking about. Cause I think it's a really important thing that I don't know if enough people notice these differences when you're talking about Gabe Davis that you know his dynasty ADP is low but he's being taken in the fourth round like on underdog drafts like well if that's the case you know that that dynasty ADP is not going to stay that way that's something you should yeah. know like Mike Williams was one of these players for me he was an underdog he's going for he was fourth round and they crept into the third round but he was still you know like mid 30s late 30s on dynasty ADP I'm looking at DLF right now and he's wide receiver 24. Yeah. Like these are the, like as soon as people the people start to catch up to that, that that that's the way they're being drafted. If you're not drafting underdog in March, you might not notice this, you know, but like those things happen and those opportunities arise from that. Yeah, if if you get a top 20 wide receiver season out of Gabe Davis here in his third year and he's attached to Josh Allen, he's not going to be an eighth round dynasty pick <laughs> next year. Yeah, he will be on the moon for sure. Yeah. And Twitter will might burn down. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, on that, I think that's going to wrap it up. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on again. This was long overdue. I'm sure this won't be the last time. Before you get out of here, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, just find me with Football Guys. Uh, content coming out over there. We do a lot of collaborative articles with Football Guys. So while you might not see something with my byline in the name, any of those staff articles I try to contribute to every single one that I see. So check out Football Guys probably heard it but uh, it's a, a little startup site that we got going on that's a pretty good site so um <laughs> and i love contributing there and then uh, the debbie royale you can find me here in an hour tuesday nights at 9 30 on the debbie royale and checking us out there uh, we got a patreon you can check out we've got your rookie guides we have your your college guides we have the college manifesto it's only three dollars a month to join the patreon and and i trust trust me you will get more than three dollars worth of content out of joining that patreon just on those two guides alone um, but those are the primary places to find me but again why thank you so much for having me on i it really means a lot and i really was excited when you reached out with that invitation i was thrilled to be able to see you this weekend um and yeah please don't make it the last time <laughs> yeah, right back at you being able to see you at the expo. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at YP underscore FF. Find everything JWB at jwbfantasyfootball.com. Like, subscribe, follow everywhere. You can get our Discord link where there's a lot of chatting going on. And we'll see you next time.